welcome to another episode of Fangirl Faves. Today, I am here with my good friend, Callan, and we are going to talk about the last uh, story arc in the Clone Wars series. Um, we pretty much talk about Star Wars <laughs> weekly, <laughs> yeah. and on the regular are sending um, memes back and forth. Uh, yes. Thank you, Instagram. Yes. Thank you, Instagram. Mainly because we both learned you could follow hashtags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that made me feel old. <laughs> and we follow Clone Wars hashtags. So, um, yes. So we're big nerds about this. And we did research, rewatched episodes, and we are ready to officially talk about it. So the final four episodes, it's kind of like, it's basically like Siege of Mandalore and Order 66 arc. Like, it's not as clear as like the Bad Batch or whatever the middle one was with Ahsoka. Um, so the they also are running consecutive, consecutive? or parallel, whatever, at the same time as episode three, which my nerdiness, like, I always was like, I know where that is. I know what's <laughs> happening. This is happening at the same time. Um, so one fun fact I learned, because I researched, because those last four obviously, like, look so different than the first however many in the season. Like, it has the Lucas art and it has the like red clone wars yep thing which those i didn't even realize those were specifically used in those earlier episodes with mall like it's like the mall clone wars logo really yeah i didn't oh, know that i was I so confused why now. they were red <laughs> i just assumed it was because this is like the serious finale that we want to like stand them up because even at the beginning of each episode, they didn't do, like, that same intro. Right. They just had, like, part one, part two, part three, part four. Right. So I was just like, oh, they're treating it like a, almost like a full-length like video. A movie. Yeah. yeah, like a movie video. Oh, my goodness. Well, they were. <laughs> VHS um, tapes. <laughs> video. Well, yeah, so I thought that was really cool. And then the George Lucas thing, which when I started watching the show, like, way back whenever, like, I didn't realize how much Lucas actually had been involved in creating it. Like, Ahsoka is a George Lucas creation, and, like, most of the storyline, so actually what I learned, basically, is that uh, Dave Filoni said that, like, he still talks to George Lucas, like, he still talked to him mm -hmm. about this whole season, because, like, Lucas basically retired when Disney bought it out, like, um, and interestingly enough, the Bad Batch and parts of, like, that second arc, the Ahsoka's walkabout arc, like, the Trace and Rafa, like, those were outlines he had made with George Lucas, and, like, he had been involved, and those last four episodes were the least developed ones that they had. Like, so he, Lucas actually had less involvement in those, and you, I think you can tell. Yeah, I was gonna, so that's actually something I just found out, like, I think last night when I was starting to look it up and they were talking about um, how it's, they were old episodes that they basically mm -hmm. just reshot. Yeah. And it, it makes sense. Like, uh, because that in the, um, if they had 
done like let's say they were going to continue the series and done season seven um or even added the trace the sisters mm-hmm. arc right after um ahsoka left the jedi order at the end of season five yeah. i think it was season five um like that actually would have been okay i don't think that like the storyline itself wouldn't have been that bad um it it wasn't like the greatest arc they had created but having it just stuck right in the middle and the very last season when they were only going to do 16 episodes or 12 episodes anyway it was such a waste of a the final storyline so in that concept i'm like oh that's actually an okay storyline right like i think the reason because we talked about this at length <laughs> how much we hated it well i, I still think, think the sisters are ridiculous right i think it's because we waited so long and you want to know something that i learned and i'm actually very angry about in this context (laughs) is in the plotting for season seven um they feloni basically had the option to do that rafa and trace story arc or to do a version there is a version out there on story reels of obi-wan and anakin on like an utapar arc like in this whole, like, yeah, there's a whole other arc they could have had. What were they going to do? I don't know. I think originally Anakin went to Utapar or something like that with Obi-Wan. Like, before he confronts Grievous. And, like, there's this whole arc right leading up to that. And he went with the sisters. But, granted, that is to speak to, I think just the centrality of Ahsoka, like how important they're trying to make her character because, but I feel robbed. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been such a cool way, like cool arc because that, I mean, that wasn't included in episode two. It wasn't even mentioned in episode three. Like there was nothing, there was no indication at any point in time that after um, the chancellor was rescued that Annika never left Coruscant. So that will, that would have been a great arc for them to do. I think so. And I think that that was my biggest complaint in the earlier seasons is that I wanted I wanted to see more of Anakin and Obi-Wan right before episode three. Like mm-hmm. we saw them with the Bad Batch and like that, like, but the whole, arc, I don't know. Either they could have made it more episodes and given us that arc, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, because I understand the need to, figure out what Ahsoka was doing like I get that I just didn't like those two characters <laughs> at all <laughs> well I didn't either and like even if, if they had given us a full season of what like 22 episodes yeah I don't mind if they use four of those episodes on that storyline I think they could have done it too um <laughs> Agreed. but, uh, <laughs> but to do to stuff all of the to just do three final story arcs in the final season no matter how magnificently wonderful the last one was. And mm. I just, I, I think, again, I probably, I, I need to stop talking about those sisters because I, I did not like their characters. I didn't. I didn't think they added anything to Ahsoka. Like, mm. like we already too. knew Ahsoka was a good person. We already mm-hmm. knew Ahsoka would always try to make the right decisions and that she would try to help people. Like, we already knew all that. But yeah. these last four. Okay. So this final arc is the four episodes, which is the old friends not forgotten, the Phantom Apprentice, Shattered, and Victory and Death. Um, and basically, this takes us from Bo-Katan, 
which is Satine's Cryas. I think that's how you say their last name. Um, her and Ahsoka coming to Anakin and Obi-Wan basically for help to take Mandalore back, which Maw has somehow taken control of again, even though the last time we saw him, like, he was defeated by Sidious? Dooku? Sidious? One of them? Sidious. Yeah. Sidious. I, yeah. Yeah. So, of which that's actually something we need to talk about because... Oh, we can't. You right. can't, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so basically, that's where this arc takes us. Um, as they're looking for help in the first episode, the second episode, we basically, Ahsoka takes a portion of the 501st um, to Mandalore, and then basically that's we kind of see the whole siege of Mandalore start um and obviously that drags on for a while and then in the third episode is where we finally see Order 66 from primarily the clones perspective um and then victory and death is a continuation of that um trying to deal with Order 66 um let's take a quick break and then we can start talking details and all these things because awesome. I haven't even made it through my first two pages of notes. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Let's, we've got so much. So we're just going to see where this takes us, but we're going to start with the first episode in the arc, and we'll just find out, figure out where we end up. Um, first and foremost, though, can I just say, I've probably already said this any other time I've talked about it, but the emotion that they keep getting across, especially with the new animation, which is stunning, mm-hmm. like, but the emotion in all these episodes, like everything from like Anakin being excited to see Ahsoka in that first episode to mm-hmm. like his confusion when Obi-Wan's like so controlled over like being called out about Satine and then Rex's sadness later (laughs) like so many feels um and it just like I just I thought like it came across so much more with the new animation so I just had to throw that out there but well okay so could you figure out so I I saw a a post and I didn't read it and I cannot find any information about it um with a quick google search but um I read somewhere that the animation was actually done like the, the Maul versus Ahsoka lightsaber scenes were actually done live and they were recording it and they turned it to animation. And I, I know that's not the proper terminology, but like, the, is that, what is that called? Yes, they did motion capture for the duel with Ahsoka and Maul. And actually, um, Ray Park, who is Maul in episode one, did the motion capture. Still got it. Because <laughs> watching it, like Andrew and I were watching it, and I was like, "This is the best lightsaber fight I have probably mm-hmm. ever seen," and it's like it makes it so much cooler knowing that it was motion capture, and yes. even cooler knowing that it was him. Uh, right. Well, that's like one of my favorite lightsaber scenes is Episode One. Oh, it's yeah, it's so beautiful, and um, like that, that's actually one of the first things that I fell in love with about Star Wars when I was, yeah, I saw it when I was like ten or something like that. And I just wanted to watch that scene over and over and over again. So I'm so glad that they brought that guy back because he was just an artist when he fought. It was. It, that is. Like, I, 
Yeah, like I do still really like, I think there's a lot of emotion behind the episode three duel between Obi-Wan and Anakin, and I like Mm -hmm. that one, but as far as like just watching in skill, like episode one, that's still like probably the best one that to this day exists. Yeah. And it's also like art, like, because we didn't see the original Star Wars in theaters, like, so that was like our generation, like that's what we saw. We were like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, skip all the little, like, rough dialogue or kind of bad acting. Maybe that was because of the dialogue. That, like, the lightsaber scenes in episodes one, two, and three, that is our childhood. And that's what I love about Star Wars. Um, And that's probably why, like, this whole time that I've gone into Clone Wars, I was always just so surprised at um, the Jedi Order. Because if you just watch (laughs) those three episodes, they're just, like, these awesome people who are very, like, um, principled. (laughs) They're cool. They're principled. They're, like wonderful people and then you start getting deeper and deeper and deeper and you're like oh there were some issues (laughs) there were a couple problems (laughs) that's like a whole episode to just talk about the problems with the Jedi Uh, order (laughs) I have opinions but that like I think that that just says how important the Clone Wars show Mm -hmm. has become to like Star Wars fans like it has added like I was talking to someone the other day like Anakin in the show this is so far off topic we have not even started this. <laughs> but Anakin in the show like that is like you watch episode one two and three kind of when you're younger okay like and like you know Anakin is turning to the dark side but he's still really cool like he's uh, takes risks Jedi or whatever but you watch episode two as an adult <laughs> And the whole time, you're like, the frick was Padme thinking? I know. Such a creep. He's so weird. Like, my eyes are up here, buddy. Right. Like, he's so creepy. But, like, the show, even without watching the show, the show is how I remember, like, you think of him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really good that, point. I just find that so interesting. Like, the show Anakin is Anakin in my mind. And then mm-hmm. you... But then I watch episode two and even three, and I'm like, who are you? Yeah, well, I think um, that, that's such an interesting idea because, um, like, I don't, just so people know, I um, have always been a Star Wars fan, but I hadn't, I'd always viewed the Clone Wars as a kid's, kids movie or a kids show, mm-hmm. basically, because I worked at a library for years, so I shelved them. All of the DVDs were mm-hmm. in the kids section. I'm like, okay, it's just a kids show. I didn't have any concept exactly what it was. And then thank you, Disney Plus. I and quarantine. I <laughs> picked it up randomly at one night and I think I got through the first season in like three days or something like that because I was just so like, oh, this is actually really good. This is not necessarily a kids only show. Um, but that is really interesting because my my entire opinion of Anakin has changed because the show Anakin, he's He's brave, he's brash, not always like making the best decisions, but he's loyal. He is a, very attached to his um, men. And he's kind of like, he, he's actually a really good general. He goes on the front lines, he fights with them, he helps them, he protects them. Um, and then he has this like inner like issues within himself of trying to figure out what he's like, how does that fit with him being a Jedi and like a peacekeeper? And then you throw in Ahsoka to the mix and all of a sudden he's kind of a semi-father and you just get all of these different like complexities and you never got that with his characters in episodes two and three. 
I yeah, and, and that's I, nothing against Hayden Christensen. No, I think, I think was he does a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that like I think it's just the dialogue and like episode three. Honestly, I do really really like that one, but there is so much just sitting around. Mm-hmm. And so much, so many council meetings, <laughs> so many. <laughs> like, you ever thought, like, if you're the Jedi standing in the middle of reporting, like, what if, what if you like didn't clean the back of your robe? The people, <laughs> you, these no, things, these thoughts <laughs> that go through my head when I watch this. It's like, oh, I get so stressed out having them look at me around. Just needs to be like a spinning disc in the middle of it. <laughs> So you just talk and you don't get a turn. It, yeah. A rotating desk chair. Yeah, exactly. Like a Ron Swanson thing. Yes! <laughs> but yeah, like I just, I, that's why I love them because it adds complexities. And I mean, and you know, like Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite character that has ever <laughs> existed, ever. And I love him. And like, so all the like hints at a backstory to him, like mm-hmm. I love that, which... Let's actually talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So, like, Bo-Katan and Ahsoka, like, come and they ask them for help. Um, and, like, Anakin, like, calls, he's like, why aren't you excited? Like, this is finally our chance to, you know, capture Maul or whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm optimistic. Um, but, like, he's so just, like, yeah, we got to capture him. He's probably not going to die. I've already tried that a couple times. So, like, I have questions. First of all, (laughs) my first question is when he escapes after Maul kills Satine and Bo-Katan helps him escape, she says, tell the Republic what happened here. And he basically says, if I tell them, they're going to send troops and Mandalore will not, like, be an independent system anymore. Did he not send troops? Okay. Like- Thank you. I <laughs> I just rewatched that episode this morning, actually, in preparation for this, because I was saying they're like, yeah, like, whatever happened? Because it's never dealt with. And then he kind of is like, oh, yeah, I guess Maul. Like, in this new episode, when she shows yeah. up and they're like, yeah, Maul's there, um, he's just kind of like, oh, yes, well... We can't really do anything. You're a neutral. You're a neutral city. So then I'm saying that. Right. Like, okay, did he report? Like, did he report to the Jedi Council? And then they're like, "Well, it's a neutral planet. We can't do anything." But that should have been mentioned. Like, just I. Well, I asked. You know, like I asked. In this new episode, I asked. <laughs> and they said no. Right. Like that was my first thing, and I was like, "She." I know because I I like I like those episodes because they're like I like to be hurt apparently. Um, and I'm like, I know that she asked him <laughs> to tell him what happened. And Homeboy didn't do anything. <laughs> no. And I, when I rewatched it, I was like, well, he, so like Satine dies. He's, he's heartbroken. And then before he gets tossed into prison, like Bo-Katan rescues him. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, he's cracking jokes. And I'm yeah. like, well, he recovered quickly. Yeah. Like he has like a two second rebound, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, like, a 20 to 30-year relationship there. He's, like, broken heart, just watched her die because of him. And then just, well, I'll take the rescue. Thank you very much. And then just, like, goes off and leaves. And I'm just like... Right, like, I... Also, whatever happened to the nephew, but that's another discussion. That's a whole... Oh, my God. 
I love Obi-Wan. I also think part of it is because I love you and McGregor. But like, <laughs> he has the best dry sense of humor. He does. But like, so I, and I, again, I love this Obi-Wan because it captures like his sass and like, mm-hmm. but, but the fact that like he didn't send anyone, like you said, like he's basically like you're a neutral system. So that makes me qu- question two things. One, is he like, is he afraid to face Maul again? Which that, like, as a character development, that would make me sad. Like, if he basically was like, no, I can't do it again. Mm-hmm. Or, and like, is he hiding that under a guise of trying to be like, we haven't even finished this war. Like, we cannot mm-hmm. get into another war. Or is does he think that by, like, keeping Mandalore a neutral system that he's, like, honoring Satine in some way? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. That's actually a really good point. But I don't know, because at the very end... That um, seems stupid to me. But. It does, because the teen... Because, one, it wasn't neutral like Satine wanted it to be neutral. There was still massive yeah. corruption. There was still massive... Um, there, there was battles. There were, they were fighting. Um, and basically, it was run by a crime syndicate. Um, but I, I remember, um, I, I don't think that was the case, though, because um, in the episode where she gets that message to Obi-Wan, she mentions her sister, like, mm-hmm. find my sister, mm-hmm. and um, she'll help you type of thing. So I'm kind of, I, I don't think it was in honor of her uh, pacifism. Um, I think it was more, um, I think he was tired. Like, when I was rewatching the episode, oh. he, he just looked so exhausted because it was like, um oh like uh, kind of a, almost a sense of overwhelmingness oh, overwhelmingness um when like ahsoka comes and he she's like we have this opportunity we have half a mandalore support maul's there he just looked exhausted when he was like we can't help you like i i don't have the troops i don't have approval we'd have to go through the senate that is a huge long process um so I kind of read that as like, okay, he's tired. And then there's also that kind of, um, I think it goes back to the whole Jedi um, idea of like not being attached. And so instead of looking mm-hmm. at it emotionally, he was like, practically speaking as a general, I can't throw my men into this because we're fighting front, like a war on, you know, however many planetary fronts there were. Right. Well, and that also like in those moments where he was basically like, uh, she meant a lot to me. Like, bo calls him out, and it's like, mm-hmm. I thought my sister meant something to you, and he was like, she did, but, like, I can't get my fe- like, I can't let my feelings get mm-hmm. in the way. Like, Anakin's expression, he's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, like, I think that that moment, like, I think it does, like, it shows how different the two of them are. Like, how different, even, like, Obi-Wan is from Ahsoka, because at the end of that toward the end of that first episode like it is when he comes in he's like we've been called back to Coruscant like mm-hmm. to rescue the cha- like we have to help the chancellor and he's like in his mind he's like oh we have to protect the people in Coruscant and Ahsoka who is disillusioned with the Jedi by this point is like no you're going to save the chancellor like yeah and then when he said is... that's not fair yeah and then I- she's like I'm not trying to be yeah. Like that was a really oh, I love interesting. her. <laughs> it's such an interesting interaction because you can see both sides. Yeah, like I think that you can see Obi-Wan's side of like he I think to your point, I think that it does 
contribute that he is just tired. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, because if you do think about it, which again is why the miniseries could be so interesting because like he has lost pretty much everything, like mm-hmm. his master, the potentially like the love of his life, like the only lifestyle he's ever known, which it is protect. I think he does genuinely want to do what he can to protect people, but he feels like restricted by the order. Whereas Anakin's just like, man, whatever, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> but like, and then, and then he loses Anakin, like his mm-hmm. only Padawan. So like a mini series with him, I think is going to be so interesting to explain. I hope they explore, like, yeah, he has to be. Like, somehow he is the one that has not turned to the dark side despite all of this. Yeah, well, and this is, I, I hope they go into this a little bit because, um, like, the Clone Wars, like, one of the things, like, um, I've been reading is, like, the Jedi, it was really hard for them. Like, they were the only ones that had the numbers and the experience, even though they weren't very good at it, of running an army. Like, their strategies weren't always the best. That's one of the reasons they had to take over, and they felt pressure that they couldn't be just peacekeepers. They had to go lead this huge army that came out of nowhere to fight the Clone Wars and, in their minds, protect the Republic. But at the same time, like, even though you're not supposed to form attachments as a Jedi, you're fighting side by side with these men for years, and you're watching them die, like, at a huge rate. Like, I I don't know what the average lifestyle, like, lifetime of the clone was once they hit the battlefield but it was very short and i really would love for them to explore his relationship with cody not in a sexual way i know that is a fan (laughs) no (laughs) a fan theory don't go there go in the direction of like these are two men that fought non-stop for years and years and years oh yeah same with rex and anakin the next thing you know he's this man's just shooting you like in the back like all the jedi that's a storyline for all the jedi but like there's another there's another thing he lost he lost his trust like one of his most trusted friends or comrade in arms if you will Um, so true because in the beginning of that episode like you can tell like i actually i like cody has a clearly has a lot of respect for obi-wan too like he's not gonna like act you know not that mm-hmm. Rex ever, like, goes against what Anakin says, but, like, in the beginning of that, like, he's willing to follow Obi-Wan or just do, but he's also oh. not gonna, but he's also not gonna make a move until Obi-Wan said something, like, yeah, because that was an interesting point in that battle. Yeah, I was like, why is that so weird to me? Like, yeah, yeah, but, but some of that might more just be, like, what kind of general, general they have been serving under, like, the mm. 501st is just very used to Anakin's like woo <laughs> like, <laughs> let's go <laughs> whereas Obi-Wan is much more like tactful and thoughtful and mm-hmm. yeah like um I thought that the moment um when Anakin is walking down the hall with Ahsoka um which this might be a good segue into talking about them but when she basically is like they shouldn't be calling me commander. Like I left though. I left however long ago. And he was like, it's a respect thing. It's a loyalty, like loyalty. Mm-hmm. The, like literally the quote is loyalty means everything to the clones. And I was like, Oh, we are really setting this up to like <laughs> hurt later. Aren't we? <laughs> like, yes. And they did. 
like that whole scene where she walks in and they have their helmets painted and you just see this look in her eye of just like, I missed you all. Mm-hmm. And that's another emotion they caught on animation. And like they were, they yeah. were people to her. Like it's yeah. there and it's mm-hmm. in the last moments of the episodes where she was like, they may be willing to die, but I'm not going to be the one to kill. Like yeah. they are people to her. Well, and it's so interesting, like, when, when she's walking down the line of soldiers, they, like, actually focus on individual helmets. And it's, like, I think that was a way of communicating. She knew which one was behind that helmet. She knew their name. She knew everything about them. And I'm, like, oh, That's my goodness. That's such a good point. Thank you. I, I thought about that the other day. I was, like, oh, my gosh. Like, can you imagine knowing all of these men, even though, and, again, this goes back to, like, how hard this war was. You knew these men by name. You knew they all had the same face, but they had different personalities. They had different tattoos. They were individuals to these Jedi. And their lifespan was so short because they just kept on dying. Like, it was such a bloody war. And oh, I, yeah. I, well, like, yeah, because just, the enemy is just pumping out manufactured, like, yeah. droids. Like, <laughs> of course they can go on for forever. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, you could too with clones, but clones develop a personality and emotion and... Mm-hmm. And again, again, they hammer that home when Rex is like, we all kind of have, they have feelings about the war. Like they aren't just like, like they know that they were designed to just be soldiers, but also like they have now been in the world long enough that they have Mm -hmm. developed like, wait, what happens when this war is over? Yes. That whole scene was, I thought was excellently done. And it, it communicated a lot of things in very subtle ways. I think that's one thing I appreciate about the whole last story arc, even above, like, the, especially above the first one, and a couple of the other story arcs that are really popular, it was subtle how it um, kind of, like, called back to different things in previous episodes, and how it was talking about future, future events. Yeah, I, I think the, overlaying it with episode three, calling back to earlier episodes, like, all of that was so, so well done uh-huh. um and like yeah i just yeah is even when they are on mandalore and like ma has jesse uh-huh. um like and how all of that kind of you know like they aren't just going to be like meh it's a clone or whatever like she's worried about every individual one and like i think he realizes that like you know like he has one clone but he's like, I'm going to give you this one clone back because I know you want this one clone back. Like, yeah. Okay. So that was actually a question I have for you. Like what, like, this is one of the things I love about Maul is he like, I think one of his character developments is you kind of start off with like, he's, he's like this mad animal when he, um, Savage finds him on that, um, trash yeah, planet. Like lost his mind. Yeah. yeah. He's lost his mind. He's all over the place. He, he's crazy and he's broken and he slowly kind of builds himself up again. And then all of a sudden, I think he's one of the smartest people, like smartest, uh, villains, if you will, mm. I've seen because that whole, um, he's, he's in it for the long game. Like, he is just trying to be comfortable. He knows he would be a targeted, like, he kind of has an idea about the Order 66, and he would be targeted because he's a Force-sensitive being. Right, like, he knows, like, those moments where, like, um, like, I noted, I was like, he 
knows that they are on the precipice. Like he knows mm-hmm. that city has had, he doesn't know the whole plan, but like just through his connection with the force or whatever, I guess, like he knows that they are on the edge. And granted he knew more than the Jedi, but he was also willing to go outside of his force feelings and actually look at things logically and put this, yeah, I know this true. and this, so I can assume this is going to happen. And that's very true. I was I was just so impressed in that whole part where he gives Jesse back to Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you do that? Like, if if you're trying to turn her to the dark side, why is he trying to be kind or like do something kind to get her trust? Because I would have assumed that the Sith way would have been to um, kill Jesse right in front of her and try and like drag anger out of her, break her down, like yeah. just the same way that they do with Anakin, but. Yeah. Although we should take a moment here and pause and ask ourselves the question that we asked ourselves earlier. What on earth happened between Sidious defeating Maul and Maul just being in charge of Mandalore? Like, I mean, Sidious very specifically says, I'm not going to kill you. There's a point to you. What's the point? Did Sidious somehow know Ahsoka was going to come back and he needed a extra Jedi to toss over to Mandalore so Anakin won't go running? Like... Right. Why? Well, Maul does say, like, well, first of all, (laughs) along this point, his obsession with Obi-Wan at this point just (laughs) really makes me laugh. Like, he is- Can you not kill me? Obsessed. But he was like, I was hoping for Kenobi. And at first, like, at first in that scene, you're like, dude, like, (laughs) haven't you done enough? (laughs) Leave the man alone. Um, (laughs) But then he later tells Ahsoka, like, right before that duel, when he's trying to get her to, like, help him, he tells her um, he was hoping for Kenobi because he was hoping that he would bring Anakin this time. Mm -hmm. Because he had, like, this whole vision where, like, basically Anakin is, like, he has somehow put it together that Anakin is the one that's going to put Sidious's plans in place like he's yeah. going to like jump start them and I think it's interesting that like he tells her that and she's like kind of like oh well you're lucky he didn't show up you know still being like snarky but again he's obsessed with Kenobi because he's like you have Kenobi's arrogance and I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> she was not his apprentice <laughs> and Kenobi I, I don't see his arrogance I never see Kenobi's arrogance. I don't think so either. I That's see. why I think it's so funny. <laughs> but it, He's not arrogant. He cut you in half at some point in time. There's no arrogance there. It was right. just straight up skill. <laughs> right. Like, he's just owning what he did. But he tells her all that, and, like, they're, like, back and forth. Um, and, like, he says something about he was hoping that he sh- Kenobi would bring Anakin, and um, she basically says, like, you've seen a vision that he's the chosen one he'll bring balance um like she's really she's willing to like help him literally until he's like no he's basically going to be the one to burn it all down and like her loyalty to Anakin like that's all it took and she was like nah like no like you're lying like that's not possible um okay so I have a thought on that because so I I can't remember exactly when I rewatched it, but like I there's a couple story arcs that I always have a hard time rewatching because I get so sad. One of them or frustrated, and one of them is the fives story arc 
Mm. Um, where he discovers, like, there's a chip. He has his remove. Mm-hmm. He tries to talk, like, he's taken to the chancellor in, in this, like, very, um, oh, like, in the uh, solitary interview, the chancellor tells him everything because he knows nobody is ever going to believe this little puny clone when he tries to report this. So then Fives goes and runs and he's hiding and everyone thinks he tried to kill the chancellor. Mm-hmm. So I rewatched the scene, forced myself to rewatch the scene where he traps Anakin and Rex in Mm -hmm. um, a force field and tries to tell them what happened because he, he knows that he can trust them. And it's so interesting because the exact same thing happens to Anakin as Ahsoka. Um, So uh, Fives kind of, he kind of comes off as a little crazy going, like he's, he seems very, um, agitated and he keeps on saying like no like there's a bigger plan we're all part of this plan and he never just says we all have chips in our head that's going to kill you he never does that it's like it could have saved so much time but instead he says (laughs) he's uh like and anakin's so sympathetic like okay let's talk about it tell me what is it what is it and then instead of just blurting out what it actually was fives all of a sudden says the chancellor's behind it the chancellor's behind it and you watch anakin's face it does a 180 he all of a sudden is like you tried to kill him. You, like, this is all you. You're lying. You're lying. You're lying. And it's that same blind loyalty. Like, you know somebody so well you think that there is no way this other person, even if you know them really well, like in the case of Anakin, he's worked with Fives for years. There's no way that what they are saying can be possibly true. And so it was immediate, like the whole 180 that Anakin did right there, that's what Ahsoka did here. That's it was like, I can't hear like they couldn't hear any anything opposite of what they thought they knew. And I was like, oh my gosh. Now granted, it would have ruined the story if people would just listen. Yes. <laughs> but I think that is such a good point. But isn't that the problem with the Jedi as a whole, kind of? Like, yeah. I, I mean, basically, Maul was able to kind of put it together that like there is a, but like they were they were worried about the chancellor keeping power like that's all that they were really worried about there was no question of like how is dooku and grievous constantly five steps ahead of us like mm-hmm. there's no question of like you know we're all involved with these politics we have managed to stay out of politics for however many years until this war and now that there's all these politics involved things are really getting messy but we like or, or, like, our code doesn't really allow for us to be involved with war, but we still think we're better than, like, all of, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's, it's blind loyalty, and then they make little tiny compromises for this situation. And then all of a sudden, they are willing to defend that one compromise over and over and over and over and over again. Because if yeah. they don't defend that compromise, they're admitting that they did something wrong or something like that. And it's yeah. just so frustrating. Um, but yeah, no, that's, it's, it's very interesting. And then I think one of the other things about Maul that I like is back to your point of, he was able to put two and two together, um, maybe using some of the force, but a lot of it just like, like, okay, probably during his training, Sidious said this, or Sidious did this, or Sidious Mm -hmm. sent him to do this. Well, this is now playing out. I was part of the plan from the beginning, but it was also like, there had to be a, a actual kind of a humility type of thing where he was able to admit to himself. Uh, yeah, I was part of the plan, and I am not. I was I'm not, not the part ul- of this anymore. <laughs> I was not the ultimate weapon that my master was training me to be. He was training me up in to like probably kill me, 
until he could find a better apprentice. Like, that's what it was. So we mainly talked about those first two episodes. Before we leave them, though, I want to talk about Anakin and Ahsoka because it makes me sad. And also, Mm. I think it's adorable. So, like, when they come back from that planet um, and he, like, sees Ahsoka for the first time, like, it registers from, like, shock to, like, and then he's immediately, like, trying I think you can tell that he still is really sad about her leaving because he's like he basically tells Obi-Wan he's like all this happened for a reason like she left for a reason she would have never been in this place we would have never been able to capture Maul and Obi-Wan's like okay (laughs) he's like no that's the only way we can think about this like is that there was a reason for it and like it made me really sad when he was like really excited to see her and she was like basically like we'll catch up later like she's all business and he was again in the animation like he was him was so sad (laughs) (laughs) he was like oh okay and he keeps trying to ask her questions like what were you doing like Mm -hmm. dealing with the pike syndicate and she's like no later like i know and that conversation never happens um it doesn't um but like i think that like I don't know like he's clearly has a very strong connection with her and I think that she is just afraid to I think at this point Ahsoka is just afraid to um like open herself back up to that and regret Mm -hmm. all of the because I think she feels like she'll regret leaving because she clearly still cares about him because later um she asked Obi-Wan where Anakin is and she's concerned like she knows him when he's like he's been uh charged to spy on the counselor or the counselor (laughs) chancellor (laughs) the chancellor Chancellor. and she's like uh who thought that basically was like who thought that was a good idea like he looks up to him so much like Mm -hmm. so she clearly and then when she says when she says she has something to tell him and she was like I'll just tell him next time I see him like she trusts him like again like she's blindly loyal to him but she like doesn't show him that mm-hmm. and I just thought that that was really interesting and he's like so giddy over seeing her and then that meme I sent you when it was like Anakin's in such a good mood at the beginning of episode three yes. because he saw Ahsoka and I was like oh I that it just cracks me up because I, I was so glad you sent that to me because I had never thought about that like after he goes rescues the chancellor the next person he sees is Padme and yeah. he's just so excited. He's like, just yeah, on a buy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I saw his apprentice. Here's my wife. She's pregnant. What? And then, like, it's just like, it, it, it sets up such a wonderful beginning into a very, very sad ending movie. <laughs> it really does. Okay. So I have a heavy question. So when, it's, so when the show started in the movie, like, Ahsoka is basically kind of dumped on Anakin mm-hmm. under the guise that she was coming to be Obi-Wan's apprentice. And basically we learned that it was because Obi-Wan and other people in the council thought Anakin needed an apprentice, which that's a whole other question. Like he had kind of just become a Jedi Knight. Like <laughs> y'all need to slow your roll. Like just because Obi-Wan did it is a little different. But anyway, so like that's how he gets Ahsoka. Obviously we see it like grow and they have this whole relationship. Um, but he does not have her in those final year or so of the war. 
And that's really when things start getting dicey with Sidious and he's probably tired from the war and all of these questions. So what do we think? How much could Ahsoka or could she even have prevented him turning to the dark side at all? Like, is she any, like, is she a voice of reason? Is she just like this run along sidekick to all of Anakin's antics that she would have like rolled with him or. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't think so. Um, and it's, I, I think the reason, so I, um, I end up reading, so the book I recommended to you, um, mm-hmm. one of, um, so for those listening, um, I have started to read like, um, books of, like that follow along with the Clone Wars. And the one I just finished, um, was the, the Clone Wars, No Prisoners by Karen Travis. And, um, I, I don't know how canon it is or what, but I really enjoy um, an aspect of her writing is how she actually deals with um, inner questions that Jedi might even be asking themselves. Like it's something you wouldn't even be seeing on the screen, but you can write about it. Like they're having these thoughts. So one of the things that um, she talks about is Anakin kind of feeling guilty about being married to Padme because he's like, I can't tell anyone about it. And so there's this whole beautiful scene at the end where this kind of rogue Jedi who had left the order because he did not agree with how the order handled um, the whole law, uh, rule against attachment. His big point was um, the, the Jedi Council is wrong because it's not the law, it's, it's not attachment that's wrong, it's obsession. And it's when you're willing to give, and he's like, the difference between attachment and obsession is obsession is when you will do anything to keep that safe, anything, whether it's right or wrong. And um, it just struck me so weird. Like that's, that's what happened to Anakin. He, it was fine. He loved, I mean, we all know he loved Obi-Wan. He loved Ahsoka. He had attachments to all of his men. He probably had attachments within the Jedi order. And the only thing that kept him, like the only thing that enabled him to drop all of those attachments is he was obsessed with his relationship with Padme. He would do anything to protect that relationship. And it was just so surprising because you go back to episode two and you're like, why on earth? Like that's yeah. like, it's a sick obsession. Um, and he then is, into- that's so true. Like, yeah. I mean, the fact that as from the time he was a child to that, like he was like, there's not a t- <laughs> There's not a thing on fire I haven't thought of. <laughs> With that strange, like, glare, like, kind of, like, smolder look that yeah. kind of looks like he's just kind of, like, glaring at her and type of thing. With a little grin. Yeah. It's, so, like, here, this, this goes back. It didn't really, like, if I had read that sentence or that idea that it's obsession after just watching episodes two and three, I would not have appreciated it. But after watching him like have like actual attachments with Ahsoka and all these other characters that you see him in with Clone Wars. Like I can understand the difference, like kind of the difference in relationship. And I think this is kind of goes back um, to your original question. Would he have gone to the dark side? Even if Ahsoka had stayed, I think he would have, because even though she was there and she was kind of a light to him, I think he would have turned dark because that obsession with Padme was being pushed by the rules and the inconsistency by the Jedi Order, his fear ever since his mother had died, 
Like there was a fear aspect there. He was so scared of losing Padme the same way he lost his mother. Um, I, I think he would have turned anyway. Um, so that's, that's my theory. I don't know. What do you think? That's a good point. No, I think the point of the fact that it was obsession is um, like really caters, like makes more sense to me. I hadn't thought about that. I don't, I do think he still would have turned. I think it would have been uh, more, more dramatic than it already was because Ahsoka arguably would have been by his side the whole time. Uh Whereas like Obi-Wan left him, not because he left him, he just wasn't there. Obi-Wan clearly knew, we saw that in the very first episode of the season, like he knows something is going on with Padme and Ahsoka knows something is going on with Padme. She just never, she has more of a relationship with Padme than Uh Obi-Wan did. And I just think, I think that she could have at least prevented some things but i i i agree i think eventually he still probably would have Mm -hmm. turned Um, now there is a good question of like was he so close to ahsoka that that was another obsession where like because that's the other thing is i kind of wondered like um every single time palpatine interacted with ahsoka it was just kind of like yeah okay go away kid go away kid yep whatever okay you know um but i always wondered like okay did he realize like was that another obsession? Because would Anakin have done almost anything to protect Ahsoka physically? There's not the love yeah. aspect. There's not like right. the romance. It's like but a what... father thing, like a child. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, the, at one point I did, I was kind of like, I, I feel like he wouldn't have if Ahsoka was still there just because he would not have been put in certain situations. Mm-hmm. But like, again, not thinking about like, he really, I do think the Clone Wars also shows us how obsessed he was with Padme. Like, he beats the crap out of Clovis that one, like, <laughs> rightfully so. Yes. Like, he was assaulting his wife. I get that. Like, but he did take it. Like, I mean, he basically, there are multiple points where, like, I mean, Anakin tries to tell Padme she can't do something or, like, he gets really, like, I mean, oh yeah obsessed. that whole episode like, where she gets upset about him trying to protect her and she's like what's the difference between me doing this and you doing this right and yeah. like yeah and he has multiple other moments where he's basically tries to be like no you're not doing that we're gonna do this my way but things like that but like I think that like I did at one point think that a lot of it was hinted at that Ahsoka could have prevented it because the whole stuff with her trial like you know and because Sidious or the chancellor always treated her as like trying to ignore her mm-hmm. because he knew that that was just one other thing to potentially pull her, pull him back to the light. And he, mm-hmm. he needed Anakin to turn to the dark side. But I think the point that you made about he is obsessed with Padme and therefore no matter how much he loves Ahsoka, he loves Obi-Wan, like he was going to do whatever crazy thing he had to do to save her even though he because he doesn't have any proof that that will happen Mm -hmm. it's literally just a vision and it scares him so bad that he would he will like literally go off the right like oh yeah i mean he's i mean i i i have never like um i think one of my bigger beefs with episode three and like Definitely um, watching the Clone Wars has helped because he and seeing him and Obi-Wan clash like as equals, as Jedi Knights equals. 
um, in the Clone Wars, that kind of helped me. But when I originally watched episode three, my biggest issue was how, how um, Anakin just seemed to do a 180. Like they didn't, it was kind of one of those things they didn't seem to, to build up to how he switched and how he turned. And right. I, uh, watching Clone Wars, I can kind of understand it a little bit more. And I was really glad that they kind of hinted at it in the first arc of the season seven yes where oh, he that. when did he uh i can't remember which episodes but when he decided to kill the, it's the fourth one separa- it's the last is it the fourth one? one yeah yeah he he killed the separatist admiral instead of like letting him live like that was that was very interesting i love well and there's multiple moments where like one they're playing towards his dark side and i also love things in movie makings like during that scene like the vader theme plays like, mm-hmm background which as a side note like the john williams theme like that plays when anakin and obi-wan kind of swoop in at the beginning of episode three that's what's playing during like ahsoka and rex no when ahsoka and rex are coming to the planet uh, when they are coming to mandalore like that oh that is the same theme at the beginning of episode three as like a hint of like this is happening at the same time now that's so interesting i'm gonna have to watch episode three again now those kind of things and like the vader theme playing in the background when he makes that decision like i find those so interesting and i love it i love those like callbacks the subtlety yes and when he's like i have no such weaknesses i think that in addition to being obsessed with padme i think that even if he doesn't go around being like i'm the chosen one um like he doesn't disagree when everyone realizes like he is the most powerful Mm -hmm. Jedi force wield or whatever that has existed and could have been Mm -hmm. so much worse. So here's another question. Um, Do you think he would have turned to the dark side if the clone wars hadn't happened? Like obviously it was Palpatine's Mm -hmm. whole like mass nation. He wanted to start a war he wanted to cause chaos and ultimately he knew he could turn the Republic into his own empire. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he knew Anakin as the chosen one would be the most powerful apprentice. So he groomed him from childhood, but let's say the clone wars didn't happen. Mm. Like again, kind of going back, like um, this has been a constant theme that I just, you just never think about if you just watch episodes two and three, oh, yeah. how long and hard that war was. Cause oh, I think yeah. I can't remember where I saw it, but it was um, they estimated somewhere around 2 million clones were killed. Yeah. And I, I don't remember how long the... Um, I think it's about five, four or five years. Four or five years. That's a huge amount. Like, it's not World War II type of casualties, but, um, like, that's a pretty big casualty base. And, it's, I mean, it's, it's, and those are, like, specifically soldiers. And I think um, when... Um, it, so going back to the Citadel arc, where the conversation between Anakin and... Oh, I can't remember his name. Captain... Arkin. Tarkin, yeah, um, Tarkin, how they were talking about, like, he, Tarkin really saw weakness within the Jedi because they were peacekeepers and they respected life and they didn't take the hard decisions. And Anakin's like, well, yeah, actually, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. And then fast forward to the episode four of season seven, where he's like, I don't have th- such weaknesses that I won't kill an unarmed man. And then he kills him. Right. It's like, would he have actually thought that way if he hadn't seen some of the weaknesses of the jedi like the humanitarian yeah aspects of the jedi come between them and actually getting a job done like 
Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think it's back to the the whole, like, he wouldn't have been put into the situations. Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, um, I always think about, I don't know why, but you know, in the Age of Ultron Avengers. <laughs> okay. So I love- So teen fandoms. So teen fandoms. So Captain America is my favorite. But when Ultron tells him, basically like, it, basically like in Captain America a man like as if you could live without a war like implying that like no matter how mm. humanitarian and like good he tries to be like you know it's fake like he needs a war like he needs the violence mm-hmm. um which in that moment as an aside I was like you leave my baby alone <laughs> like the little cupcake leave him but like I almost think the same like I don't know that Anakin even would have been happy in the order because I think it depends on what you what you accept as canon or what is canon because I've read a lot of like like books of like Anakin as an apprentice and he does struggle with a lot of Mm -hmm. um basically the decisions and making a decisions of what he feels is right and what is actually the Jedi code which plays into I think or I think the fact that he was a slave and he was not raised from like as small as most Jedi children are contribute to his issues with making decisions like that. So I do still think, I think there is still a chance that without the war, he still would have turned. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, Just because all of that, but I don't know that it would have been under the same circumstances because why would he have ever needed to interact with Padme again? Like, like, all of the events in episode two happened because Sidious is putting this war together. So, like, I think... Yeah, which, we just need to appreciate the brilliance of Sidious for a second. Like, hate him, he's evil, he caused deaths, like, thousands, like millions times over, and, but it all worked. That's it what, did. and, it like... Did all work. <laughs> That was what cracked me up is like the um every single time like um the Republic won, like I kind of assume like I know Sidious was playing Dooku and yeah and the Republic. I get that. But every single time like he would kind of be like legitimately upset about Dooku failing at something or a campaign, it's like, okay, that clearly was not part of his plan. But it didn't matter because overall it all worked. So working out for him. So <laughs> we just adapt and overcome. Exactly. Uh, and you know what? Jedi didn't do that. That's so true. They didn't. They did not that adapt is, and they did not overcome. The Sith strength is that they did adapt <laughs> much better than the Jedi did. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Sidious, let's probably should move on. I, I, honestly, not a lot happens in those last two episodes as far as like interactions, just because it is Order 66. Like, um so in shattered the first of all the cool thing because again i'm a nerd and i like the like kind of like hinting at where we are in episode three like ahsoka's vision of or she hears maul or not maul Uh, anakin like mm -hmm. the whole scene where mace is facing off with uh the chancellor and anakin is saying like i need him um uh that is, first of all, I thought that it was interesting because they mixed Matt Lanter's voice and Hayden Christensen's voice to do it. And my nerdy little self just was like, 
I love that they just are, they, like, that is a thing of, like, they are both Anakin. Like, we're not trying to be, like, this Anakin doesn't count. He's not really Anakin. Like, they are both Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Rex, as we know, is getting the orders to execute Order 66. And this brings us back to the Fives arc is what most of that episode does. Um, mm-hmm. is, and again, the feels, like the tears oh. <laughs> and Rex trying to hold back and resist the order. Um, because, I mean, again, because he loves Ahsoka. Like, not necessarily, like, I don't know if, like, you're, like, an Ahsoka Rex shipper. Like, not necessarily, but, like, this is his friend like Mm -hmm. his commander and like that part was so sad and he tells her to find fives and I think later in that episode when she's watching Rex's report I think to call back to that episode you were talking about a minute ago where Anakin like does a 180 and he's like no you're lying you tried to kill the chancellor in that same moment though Rex like I think you watch Rex I've seen this thing where it points out like Rex kind of like touches the back of his head like he doesn't like he's kind of like wait what if fives is Mm -hmm. right and then and then we see that he did follow through like he didn't disregard the one time he one of the few times probably that he didn't just blindly follow Anakin and agree with Anakin and he filed a report and was Mm -hmm. like something's up and no one's gonna watch this but it's gonna make me feel better knowing (laughs) that I said something is wrong well, and like, so when I, when I watched that, so a couple things, um, one, we need to talk about like, what, like, what are your opinions about the chip? Like, what did it actually do? Because I've heard a couple people talk about, okay, it, it gave the clones dreams for their entire life. Um, and that's how it was being planted into their subconsciousness. Um, and then I've heard other things where it was just like a chip that like, uh, specifically had this order written into it in like, you know they had to do it because they were also programmed not to um to follow every order um but then like going back to the whole report thing like that's one moment like I keep on saying that Anakin was a wonderful general and you know he really cared about his men stuff like that and um it's just so sad because like that whole idea that he trusts Rex to know about his relationship with Padme Padme but he didn't trust or even um respect Rex enough to listen to his point of view like I mean I'm sorry if my captain who I'd worked with and fought beside for five years or something like that filed a report and like I would hope that a good general would be like okay I need to listen to this but he was so blindly loyal to the chancellor he couldn't even hear it did he even bother to look at it but I think I'm that's not a question, say. too, of, like, did Anakin even ever see that report? Did he ever even know that mm-hmm. Rex was like, I don't really agree with you, like, <laughs> kind of want to believe fives. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so interesting did that he... you pointed out he touched the back of his head. You like, should look it up, because I, I had to go look it up. And I was like, wait, does he? But yeah, like, literally in that moment where, like, Anakin is doing that like where you see Anakin's face go from like tell me tell me like I will listen to like no you're lying Rex is kind of just standing behind him like 
oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling very uncomfortable and I feel like fives might be right. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's a really good, subtle scene. Uh-huh. Um, just like, I mean, in the rest of these, um, like th- these last two episodes, like the little subtle things, like the clones literally trying to kill Ahsoka while still having the paint on their helmets that they yes. put to honor her. And like Rex, like Rex being willing to kill his brothers mm-hmm. to protect her, like because she protect him, you know? Yeah. Like all of those little subtle things and I saw something else like even just like the reiterating that Ahsoka is such a good person like she refuses like she treats Uh everything so kindly like it was one of these things I read and it was like she touches each of the droids as she's like will you help me like in a nice Uh like hi friends kind of way and I was like I love this show (laughs) did you see oh my gosh did you see the meme it was about um it was, it was point, it was talking about Ahsoka being, like, surrounded by an entire ship of clones refusing to kill any of them, even though they're trying to kill her, and then underneath it was, like, Yoda, like, slaughtering an entire <laughs> table of clones, like, I don't care. You're just like, oh, okay. Um, oh, right then. Yeah, I'm talking about when he went to the Jedi Temple with oh. Obi-Wan and him, there was, like, all those guards that were supposed to catch any returning Jedi and kill them, and he and obi-wan just slaughtered them like it was so true yeah and but again i that like what you were there saying, wasn't personal attachment there because we right know there's, has no no personal personal, there's no personal attachment there and i think that obi-wan was a little attached to his men but those weren't his men but like mm-hmm. anakin and ahsoka definitely are much more like personality type just on the feeling side mm-hmm. like and Ahsoka it's arguably because she had a master like Anakin who just allowed it like didn't you know yeah well I mean she was what like 15 when she came into she became a commander like um she's going through her training and instead of being surrounded by Jedi who also like reiterate the whole like no attachment no attachment no attachment she's surrounded by these men who had absolutely no childhood they've i mean i again i still think the I mean, we can have another conversation about this the uh subtle abuse that was accepted of the clones um which i mean it goes back to the whole slavery question like why did like even though the jedi came in and were like okay we're gonna treat them well and like some of us <laughs> yeah some of us <laughs> for the most part they were well treated by their jedi and but then at the same time the jedi never really came out and like said like you know, this is wrong, what we're doing. Like, they just wouldn't say it. And it was just like, but they, But they also didn't question where they came from. Ugh. Don't even start that. I mean, the whole, second you see Jango cannot, next can, to Dooku, you should have put two and We two cannot together. go into that. But to this day, I will never get over that. Like, <laughs> I'm never going to get over it. Like This goes back to Darth Maul was able to put two and two together. Right. That should have been a big two and a big because, two. Oh, arguably, he was he was only able to put two and two together when he was not attached to either side. Mm. Arguably, that could be an interesting thing to explore. Okay. But, okay. I'll give I'll, I'll give you a, a slight. To this day, I'm never gonna forgive Obi Wan <laughs> for not 
Like, I still think it's hilarious that he rolls up on that planet and they're like, we have the droids. Like, the meme where he was like, yes, I'm definitely here for <laughs> the 5,000 identical men that I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm here yes. for them. Like, it's yes. so funny to me, but I'm never going to forgive them for, like, after that, just being like, yeah, let's use these clones. We don't know who yeah. commissioned them. <laughs> let's just and use them. I love, I love now, I will give Lucas this, is that whole scene where, like, he's walking down the hallway and the cloners, the Kaminoans, are basically, like, talking to him about the features of these clones. Uh-huh. And they will do any order without question. And it's like, they warned us from day one. Like, they, they warned, like, and then all during the story arc of, like, fives, like, they kept on saying, well, you know, this is to kind of help him, like, not be as aggressive type of thing. And you're saying, why were you programming like, them to be aggressive? <laughs> how does that actually work? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, it's just like, they, they had so many opportunities. And I know hindsight or watching it from a TV screen is, like, you get a lot more con context but i'm sorry the big one is yes to this day when you saw jango fett next to dooku there was something there like i mean i'm right. sorry <laughs> didn't even question it till season six and they were like huh. and then they still didn't stop using them they and literally was- gave it to us where duke like obi-wan and anakin were finally able to put it together that dooku commissioned them they still didn't say pause pause yeah maybe we should rethink this yes and then like the whole like shock tea just like um accepting the excuses about like what happened to fives and stuff like that it's like go do some research and actually figure out what that chip is right like Like, what we're trusting the kaminoans the ones who are sitting in the senate like encouraging the war because we're loading them up with money like yes that's who we're gonna trust right now like I mean, it's like, it's, it's like the, go to another fandom, Game of Thrones, it was like the Jedi were playing the Game of Thrones, the Game of Senate, <laughs> and the Game of Politics, and guess what? They got burned big time. <laughs> Which is why they, like, the Jedi early on knew that they should not be involved with politics. Like, yes. And I, this kind of goes back, so one of the things I was thinking about just overall is like the Jedi Order, like one of the reasons, um, I think there's so many parallels between them and the Catholic Church. Because when you oh. look at the very early, early oh, Catholic you are going church, deep. <laughs> I'm, I'm going deep here because um, I wasn't raised Catholic, but um, I've done a lot of study, like studying into like early, like just post like Rome becoming a Christian nation under Constantine. Like you had priests um, in the Catholic church who were getting married. They were like, it wasn't a big, like um, opulent type of thing that it became later on in like the, um, um, kind of like the renaissance era and the reformation era but like what happened is like the church steadily grew and when it's like anything starts to grow and become like stand like they they create customs and like um traditions and all of a sudden new rules like um priests could marry when they like in the early church well at some point in time they said well priests aren't allowed to get married and then you had another step of um um, where like monks, like they were the ones that had to go and like live in poverty and they couldn't own anything. And they, you know, typically lived in solitary, um, in a solitary situation, um, where they cut themselves off from the world. Well, the Jedi were kind of similar. Like they started out early on and I, uh, the little tiny research I've done when the Jedi order started, it wasn't like this big 
bureaucracy. They didn't have like this whole council that made all the rules and stuff like that and like sent you on missions. It was these four sensitive beings that were trying to keep the peace um, or mostly just fight the Sith because they knew it was like the light in the dark. Mm -hmm. And um, slowly as it became more and more of a, a fundamental part of the Republic society, they grew and grew and grew and became kind of that big opulent bureaucracy of their own kind. And ultimately, anytime that happens, like when you've kind of lost your original purpose, you you get destroyed. Like something comes to bite you in the butt. In this situation, it was one Sith Lord who happened to get elected as Chancellor. <laughs> like, which again, we can appreciate the fact that like Sidious was playing this long game, like oh, yeah. all the time spent is, as a senator to work his way to chancellor and gain everyone's trust and like yeah. never ever get caught because like Padme had a whole relationship with him as senator when she was queen yeah like yeah and he's still man like yeah like oh yeah he I has mean, managed to be the bad guy for nine movies which that whole oh <laughs> we will not talk about don't get me sequels. started on that nope I'm not talking about the, the, the most I recent Star Wars I movies. I can't. Um, but we can appreciate the fact that, like, he is, like, he is the best Sith. <laughs> like, there's a better he is, he's the best Sith. And honestly, <laughs> he, he is a wonderful villain. An absolute he is a good wonderful vi villain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I will say that, like, I mean, Star we all love Star Wars. Like, it has its flaws. There are problems and inconsistencies and bad dialogue. But, like, as far as him being a villain, like, the subtlety of him being mm -hmm. a villain, everyone trusts him. And, like, all the people in the freaking Republic were like, yes, we will grant you dictator powers. Like, we, I don't know. Well, and I yeah. mean, but again, but to that and back to the Jedi, like, people which we have seen especially in these last few seasons like ahsoka's arc with the bombing and ahsoka's arc with rafa and whatever her name was um like people Trace. are just yeah that <laughs> they're disillusioned like they're over the jedi like they're not doing their jobs they mm -hmm. kind of a lot of them run around thinking not all of them but a lot of them do run around thinking they're better than everyone like, they're so mm -hmm. caught up in this war, like, they won't even go help Mandalore, who is clearly, like, in distress. They have crime syndicates, and, like, they are asking, mm -hmm. actively asking for help. It's not like Tatooine that's, like, being run by the huts, and, like, they're just, like, man, whatever, this is our life. Like, Mandalore actively yeah. asked for help, and they were, like, entrenched in their bureaucracy, and the Republic, like, and they were, like, no. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's so interesting. Like, um, so kind of, I, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, where it was like, um, um, if you watched episodes one through three, I never understood. Like, if I, if I just like watched episodes one through three and then watched episode four, I never would have been able to figure out how the people of the of the Republic accepted that all of a sudden these Jedis that were very respected according to those just those those movies um were slaughtered like why why would they allow an emperor an empire to be formed unquestioningly after these people who had been respected and like revered and 
um, sought after for help for so many years. Like, how is that acceptable? And then after watching the Clone Wars, it's all, it made sense all of a sudden. It's like, okay, there were so many internal issues and, um, like the storyline with Trace and, um, the, the sisters, like that whole story about how um, they loved the Jedi. They had stories of the Jedi. They revered the Jedi. And then one day a Jedi were so caught up in completing their mission and catching this one person that they believed would help like resolve the bigger issue of the war. They didn't have any care for the normal civilian life. And um, in that regard, they didn't. And also because they didn't allow attachment, they also didn't understand how attached a child could be to their parents. So that, that's another thing. Yeah, because they like, ripped uh, the children order. away from their parents. Yes! Oh my goodness, <laughs> I never thought about that. It's like, okay, they sense a force-sensitive child. Uh, do you remember that episode where Cad Bane mm-hmm. um, um, steals a holocron and goes out mm-hmm. to try and, like, find the force-sensitive children? Yeah. Which, again, like, the begs parents. the question of why were we going to raise all of these to the dark side if there can only be two I I yes, think that you. that is, I think that is just made up from the Sith because they knew the Jedi were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they would believe anything. Let's just come up with a, a rule of two. They'll yeah. never question that. They'll never find the rest of <laughs> us. Well, so it was very interesting seeing the parents because there were some parents who just were like, "Okay, I know at some point in time they are going to come and take my child, and I probably will never see him again. Or if I do, it'll be years and years and years." But I trust that the Jedi are going to raise him well and that I can't raise him the way that mm. he needs to be raised because he's force sensitive. Right. But it also begged the question, like that one mother who was crying saying, but you said I would have him for another year or so. Like they had no concept of what it was like for a, a parent to lose Mm-mm. a child, even if no. they knew it was, it was for the, a good, you know, for the better, I don't know. It was good for their child or something like that. Right. So that was really interesting. Okay, we should take another break because actually some of this leads into my, some of my conclusion, or yeah. And I have a few final questions, so a quick break. Welcome back, everybody. So to wrap things up, we have gone off topic. We have come back. We have talked about things I didn't even think we were going to talk about, but I'm so glad we did. So you mentioned it, you said I should write it and send it to Disney. So all of this, because this season, season six, kind of technically, Disney owned the franchise then, but I still think most of that was just a lot of leftover stories. And mm-hmm. so it's, Disney didn't have a lot of involvement. Disney obviously has a lot of involvement in this season. We know that Disney has their own... Um, uh, plan <laughs> plans for the franchise which the sequels is a whole for better or for worse we're gonna live in disney like, star wars we are going to live in disney star wars and i have issue with <laughs> what they're where they took that i like the mandalorian i'm super mm-hmm. pumped about the kenobi series and i think that these final four episodes were done really well like we see the tie-in like we get a rogue one tie-in like that mantra like i'm one with the force the force is with me like that she says that's yeah. a that's a rogue one tie-in um dryden boss who is in solo like the primary crime syndicate we mm-hmm. get hologram of him when ma is telling the crime syndicates to go into hiding um we see him and then um 
the imagery of that final scene in the last episode with where Ahsoka and Rex put the helmets on the pikes, like, Mm -hmm. which, first of all, my heart, the fact that they dug out those men, buried them, Mm -hmm. like, even though they tried to kill them, but that imagery we see in The Mandalorian um, with the Stormtrooper helmets. Mm -hmm. Um, So heavily influenced by Disney. What are your thoughts on this Disney influence? I have great hope for the movie they just announced with uh, Taika Waititi. I know I just murdered Taika. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I (laughs) I got you. (laughs) You you know who I'm talking about. Oh, I hope he doesn't listen to this because I love him. So sorry, Taika Waititi. (laughs) I'm so sorry. We do love you. (laughs) I have loved him since What We Do in Shadows. Oh. Like it was one of his original, I think it was a Kickstarter funded um, movie. Anyone listening to this should go find that on um, Amazon buy it because you're just going to watch it over and over and over again. The humor's hilarious. He's hilarious. Um, and then when I got to watch him with Ragnarok and what he did to kind of shift Thor's character and that whole storyline, like that affected, and I think for in a good way, how um, Thor was presented in Avengers. Um, so I, and then his, his most recent movie, Jojo Rabbit, like the man is good and I have great faith in his movie because he specifically pointed out that he has loved Filoni's work because he loves Star Wars and I'm pretty sure that uh, Taiki has already said he's a huge fan of Star Wars he's been a Star Wars fan for years so I'm hoping that when he directs depending on what the storyline is he takes that love of Star Wars and just shows it on the screen because you have to respect the storyline you have like there's a fan base of star wars that has spanned since 73 type of thing like it's our parents generation our generation and then this new generation that has only experienced the those movies we'll call them those um (laughs) those those Um, but I think he has a respect for the world of Star Wars and I think he'll work closely with Filoni to really bring that to screen and I'm really excited about that so one of the things I have so that gives me hope with whole like living in a Disney Star Wars world the other thing I'm actually kind of excited about is uh, as they've con- like after watching the Clone Wars um, how they've announced okay we're going to tie in this character we're going to tie in this character, Boba Fett and possibly Ahsoka and Mandalorian too. I'm skeptical, but I'm also super excited to see what happens. Um, so yeah, there's that. I'm really excited. Um, but I think they can do that. So like on all of their miniseries, like Kenobi, are they going to tie in Maul? Will they tie in, um, I don't know, Bo-Katan, like, who are they going to be tying into this storyline that people have always wondered, what happened to Kenobi between episodes yeah, three and four? And he didn't just live in Tatooine the whole time, like, he... Lord, we hope not, or this could be a real boring series. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be fabulous? <laughs> just Obi-Wan wandering around the sands. <laughs> like, finding water. Oh, look, more water. Oh, look, some sand people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, like, there's a really good opportunity that they're going to be tying in these characters. You kind of are like, well, they didn't really finish that storyline. Like, I would love to know what they did. Right. Well, just like you're saying, like, um, 
so I mean that was that was going to be my next question is what are your thoughts on Ahsoka and possibly I've seen things about possibly Rex and the Mandalorian um I mean this is just me because I I agree I love Rex um I think honestly like my all-time favorite characters in Clone Wars are the clones like I liked Obi-Wan I liked Anakin I actually did not like Ahsoka until probably like season five and seven and stuff like that um but I loved the clones from day one and it was just such a fascinating characters to like develop because they're all identical and then their personalities come through and Rex is a personality that I I love how they developed him so if they if they can bring him to the Mandalorian without destroying that kind of complexity and if they can get the guy what's uh Morrison to come in and play which I don't know if they've confirmed or if they've just rumored he's, he's accepted. Um, I would love to see what he does um, with that because, um, I mean, I think if they bring Rex and Ahsoka to the Mandalorian, it'll be really interesting to see how they bring him in. Will it be a continuous story where like Ahsoka's training the child uh, or is it just like he runs into them in space somewhere? In that case, why is Ahsoka and Rex together still? Like, but like mm-hmm. you and I mentioned the other day, like the episode, like it's a great ending, and like Vader finding Ahsoka's lightsaber is a great like. What is he feeling in that moment? Like you have so yeah. many questions, like and you have so many questions because of the relationship and that Anakin again clearly loved Ahsoka, but I have questions of like having watched parts of Rebels, like when did Ahsoka and Rex part ways? Like, did they immediately part ways? How did Rex come across these mm-hmm. other clones who managed to not turn on their Jedi? Like, Other question? What happened to all the rest of the clones? Where's Commander Cody? Yeah. And, okay, so here's another question. Mandalorian. Um, they keep on talking about the Mandalore Purge. Like, the Great Purge. Okay. Where does that happen? Where's the Satan? I actually have a question about this. I have a theory, actually. Mm because but this is in my minimal knowledge so first of all i found a hilarious and mall is like giving it's not death watch it's the mandalorians that um that are following him like the ones in the red or whatever and mm-hmm. he basically is like telling him like to rise up and we have to fight against the like you know, Bo-Katan and her people because, like, you're warriors, like, your people are not meant to hide in gutters, and I just found that so hilarious because that's literally what they're doing in The Mandalorian. So I also thought that that was probably meant to be another shout-out to The Mandalorian. Mm. I have... Um, I didn't know anything about The Mandalorian before it came out. Based on the previews, I actually thought it was going to be about Boba Fett. That shows how little I knew when I first started watching Mandalorian. And I think I even mentioned that to someone and they gave me this really weird, weird look, but then they never corrected me. So boo on them. Let you go. <laughs> so I was very pleasantly surprised. I know. It's like, gotta tell people. It's like, if they have lettuce in their teeth, you tell them, okay? Um, but um, <laughs> it was like one of those things where like when it started, I was just pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, okay, this is a completely different storyline. This is really interesting. But then when I went back and watched, like, the whole Mandalore plot and then, like, realizing that, okay, um, Jango Fett was technically from Mandalorian, from a colony of Mandalore, mm-hmm. and then, like, there was this whole planet of Mandalore, and when did they stop taking their helmets off? It's, That's my like, big Jango question. Took his of, helmet like, off. When did we stop taking the helmets yeah. off? That's my biggest question because, like, there's it, like, obviously 
still like death watch still is like holding on like those are the ones that were holding on to the old belief which is what i think we see in the mandalorian but like um they took their helmets off took his helmet off like they all and like we see the dark saber in the mandalorian like we see all of that but like Uh everyone's still taking their helmets off (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like let pablo take his helmet off (laughs) just let him (laughs) And then when yeah. he does, his hair is a mess. So you're like, oh, actually, it was okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Just put it back on. Yeah, I take it back. It back. <laughs> um, so true. Yeah, that's my biggest, like, because all, since watching The Mandalorian, I've been trying to put together mm-hmm. the whole, like, rise and fall of Mandalore without actually doing research by just watching things (laughs) because like well and I mean and also like Satine and Obi-Wan like trying to put all of that like yeah history together because it really is so complex which again Mm -hmm. you wouldn't care about it if not for the Clone Wars yes thank you like yeah like I mean you would after watching the Mandalorian but like but again, but we wouldn't have that if not for the Clone Wars. So, yeah, no, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what they do with that. I would love, like, I kind of go back and forth. I actually would kind of prefer if they brought Rex back just because I really, really like Rex and I want to see what he does. Like, I would love more episodes of just Rex. Like, just with the sequels, I just get really concerned. These were really well done. I think, mm-hmm. I think, but what you were talking about with like Taika Watiti and Dave Filoni, I think that that's really going to be what make or break is a make or break thing for anything that they make series wise is who is in charge of it and what is their relation with the universe? Like, do they are they real fans do they really care about it or are they just looking to like like I think J.J. Abrams is a good director but like I and whoever they did not capture the feel in the world of Star Wars right like it was just yeah um and it was bad storytelling just straight across right like I don't know they they didn't have a compelling plot and yeah one more question before we end is so I mean we primarily focus on the last four they were great um what I've already said that I feel robbed at missing that Anakin and Obi-Wan storyline because that's what like we've waited so long and that um like though and I've already said like that is what I was hoping to see is them right before episode three to add Mm -hmm. to that emotional like you know, like hurt basically, um, that they go through was either in these last four of the season as a whole, was there anything missing for you as like, I mean, a fan of like, or was there something that you could have done without besides Trace and Rafa? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've established that. Um, I just would have liked more. Um, I think, um, I touched on this earlier is, um, I, I, well, okay. So my big pet peeve with a lot of the different fandoms that I enjoy is, um, Game of Thrones. They rushed through and they didn't give you a full last season. Um, I think they could have done a much longer in, um, Clone Wars. I think, um, they could have extended the story of Mandalore. 
Um, I think they missed a lot of um, opportunities to go into some of the details that maybe weren't quite finished off. Um, like, uh, so here was another one. Um, they never explained until that um, hologram meeting with um, uh, Obi-Wan that the Jedi Council had ever suspected any, any wrongdoing of the Chancellor. They just kind of all of a sudden was like, well, so yeah, the, the council's right. a little, you know, concerned about the chancellor. And it's like, when did that happen? Like, right. Like we see that in episode three where they're like, we want you to spy on the chancellor. We're worried he's not going to give up his power. But I was like, mm-hmm. when did that happen? When We have you know, never been worried about um, that before. Like, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of Padme. Um like like uh, finding out she was pregnant yeah that yeah. would have been cool like when did that happen because right. he was out in the outer rim like, right like right this is a very good point that he was like <laughs> like how far along she's clearly very far along in episode yeah, she three has to be like, like eight to nine eight, right eight, so like how long was he in the outer rim like what was her like how did she feel about it like we don't ever really see how padme feels about being pregnant with the child of her secret Jedi husband. Yes. Like, and I, and like, I do. I, like, I stand Padme. Like, even though she, I think, I mean, I think she's a queen. Like, I love her. <laughs> but, like, I, I, I agree. Like, was that was another one. I mean, obviously she was pregnant. I mean, there was no, I mean, I think right. to a certain extent she hid it a little bit with Rose, but I mean, people, it was it just one of those things like, okay, so the senator's pregnant over here. We're not going to talk about that because right. there's no she father. She had also like, um, Organa, like Bail Organa was a very close friend of hers and he knew, like, mm-hmm. did he ever know that Anakin until like after she had the babies? Like, obviously he knew then, but like, did he ever suspect anything between them? Like, mm-hmm. why was, because like, I have mm-hmm. those questions too. Cause like in episode yeah. three, like she hides it, but like, did she just go into hiding and people, even after being a very active voice in the Senate, did she either just roll with it and people thought it was a scandal or, mm-hmm. or did she go into hiding and like basically try not to be seen? Like, I yeah. can't imagine, that would not be with her character. That no. would not Mm-mm. follow suit. But, like, that's an arc I would have liked to see, and I'm still mad about the Utapa arc. <laughs> that would, well, that, and um, I think, uh, when did, um, like, so let's say, so obviously uh, Anakin and Padme had a relationship for all six, se- seven seasons of um, um, Clone Wars. At what point in time did he decide it was essential to have Rex watch the door during his conversations like was that just something rex always knew like was it like a right. recent thing like and okay like, i'm in the middle of something when huge. did he tell rex and not ahsoka like yeah did rex know the full extent of the relationship like did they know did he know he, they were married or was it just like okay i guess they're not supposed to you know be together like it's just like so many unanswered and like they're not even important things necessarily but it's, it's because you care like, about the character. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's the same thing that, like, while we pretty much know that, like, the Obi-Wan, I have to stop talking about Obi-Wan, but, like, the <laughs> miniseries is going to take place, likely, between three and four. But, like, I think we get the whole Satine story, but there are just multiple times, especially, like, at the beginning of this season, where he's, like, tell Padme I say hello. Like, 
he knows so much more than he lets on that he knows and it's because he's very reserved and like things like that like what was he really like he knows Anakin and that's hinted at in other seasons like when Padme goes on the one mission like Anakin or Obi-Wan goes and finds Anakin like sulking basically and he kind of tries to tell him like you have to get rid of your feelings like Ahsoka knew something was up like Mm -hmm. did anyone ever really know the full extent of it everyone knows that something like Rex Obi-Wan and Ahsoka all know something is going up and arguably some of Padme's friends had to know something Uh was going on but no one said anything (laughs) no one no this is why you always say something this is like listen dude just be careful (laughs) yeah that's all they had to say like instead of like tiptoeing around him like and no it's 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 very frustrating um but yeah i mean she's a main character that i think they should have brought in or talked about a little bit more yeah, I I don't know if, if there's anything else. I think there's, like, little tiny questions that's just always in the back of my head as I watch The Clone Wars, and I don't know how they would have brought it together. It's Because, it's, it's again, it's little questions like we were just talking about. So, I don't know. I, I feel like they really should have given us a full season. Um, but they did such a wonderful job with the last four episodes, I'm not going to fault them yeah. too much. Oh my gosh, we did it. Yes. Thank you for and having me. Some. This has been fun. <laughs> this is so fun. It's a two-part episode. It might have to be. No, this was fun. I yeah, I'm pretty sure that you are the only person that will for long term talk about Star Wars with me. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure my husband gets sick of it. <laughs> She's staring in the kitchen just being like, come on. <laughs> well, thank you, Callan. Thank this you for so having fun. me. This has um, been so much fun. Yes. So that, there you have it, guys. Very honored to be on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I am so honored that you agreed to come on my podcast and talk (laughs) about Star Wars. And I, um, we have wrapped this up. I mean, it's been however long that the season has been coming out little by little chipping away at it. And you, you all heard me complain a lot (laughs) in those first (laughs) two. (laughs) I take back some of what I said. And I have clearly much nicer things to say about these last four episodes. So, and and so did Callan. So they fixed it. So, but all right, everybody, we will see you next week. So until next time, bye, guys. <laughs>